Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. You know, y'all actually do that better when there's a delay. So I, we might need to start working a little audio-visual delay in there. So, uh, well, we are so thankful that you are here today. I am so excited about this message. This is a powerful word that is going to change lives. And we're talking today about making a difference for eternity. And I'm going to take you to a story that the moment that we start reading it, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, Pastor Mark, I know the story. But we're going to look at it in a completely different way. That's what I love about the Word of God. The Word of God is almost like an object that you can look at it this way and this way and up and down. And what happens is so many times we just get used to seeing this side of it. And if you really spend time in the Word, all of a sudden you just start getting some revelation about different areas of it. And it becomes alive to you. It becomes exciting to you. And we're going to be looking at the Word of God uh, in a little different way here in a few minutes. But since we're talking about eternity, I wanted to bring one quick passage in before, and it's talking about the Great Commission. Because we all know the Great Commission. This is when Jesus is talking to his disciples right before he ascends, and it's in Matthew 28, verses 18 and 20. And it says, And when Jesus came near, he spoke to them and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now I gotta just stop right there. That passage right there would be worthy of just going in and doing a Bible study. Just investing in what does it mean when Jesus says all authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. So wherever you go, make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to do everything I have commanded you and remember that I am always with you until the end of time. Amen. That is the great commission. If you are a born again believer, that is the one commandment that Jesus Christ has asked us to do is to go and make disciples wherever we are. Not decisions, not to just buy people t-shirts or, or to just give them a smile, or, but to truly make them disciples of who Jesus Christ is and what is ours as believers in Jesus Christ. Right. Now I'm going to ask you some questions here, and I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because I don't want to embarrass anyone. But I want to ask you some questions that make you think. Do you share your faith with other people? Have you led anybody to a knowledge and salvation of Jesus Christ? Some of you might have an idea on how to do it, but you haven't been real actively pursuing it. Life has just gotten very busy. It's important that we understand that we have a plan and a purpose in our lives. God created us that way. And I'm going to take you to a passage that you're very familiar with. But instead of focusing on the healing, which is usually what every sermon that's ever passed on the, preached on this passage, we're going to look at it in a different way. So if you have your Bibles with you, would you turn to one of my favorite books of the Bible, the book of Mark. My second one is for guys only. It's called Deuteronomy. Never mind. The Italian book, Malachi, you know. So come on. You guys should read the Bible the way I do. You Mark 2, verses 1 through 12. This is what the Word of God says. Several days later, Jesus came back to Capernaum, and the report went out that he was home. And many people had gathered, and there was no room left, even in the front of the door. And Jesus was speaking God's Word to them. 
Verse 3, four men came to him carrying a paralyzed man. And since they could not bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof over the place where Jesus was. And then they lowered the cot on which the paralyzed man was lying. And Jesus saw their faith. And he said to them, Friend, your sins are forgiven. I love verse 6. Okay, Some scribes were sitting there and they thought, Why does this... Why does he talk this way? He's dishonoring God. Who besides God can forgive sins? And it says, at once Jesus knew what they were thinking. Wouldn't that be amazing to be, in, in, when your, your pastor's just preaching and said, Ashton, don't be thinking about food right now, I'm preaching. And you're like, oh my goodness, he knows what I'm thinking. Could you imagine being in the presence of God and, and the Son of God and all of a sudden they're thinking, you know, you're not all that. And, and, and he's like, yes I am. He's like, you, you heard that? You see, I love when I read, I put myself into that passage. And I'd be like, what if I were sitting there? What if I just heard him speaking to the scribes? Verse 8, at once Jesus knew inwardly what they were thinking. And he asked them, why do you have these thoughts? Is it easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up, pick up your cot, and walk? I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority. Remember, we, we looked at authority a few minutes ago. All authority has been given. Now here's says that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And then he said to this paralyzed man, I am telling you to get up, pick up your cot, and go home. The man got up immediately, picked up his cot, and walked away while everyone watched. Everyone was amazed and praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Amen. That is amazing. If we are to make a difference for eternity, there are three things that we need to look at. One is that we must, if you're taking notes, point number one is we must walk the talk. You see, one of the things I noticed about this passage is that he had four friends that carried him to Jesus. He had four people that were so concerned about him. Now, what I want you to notice is these four, these four friends didn't say, you know what, we're going to blog about this experience. That's what I really think we need to do. We need to blog about it. And, you know, we'll call ahead to Ticketmaster and we'll get some tickets and then we'll confirm that there's handicap parking because if there's not handicap parking I'm not going to go to this event and then what we're going to do is we're going to take a class on how to help the handicapped that would be really good and you can see all of these things that we would like to organize this in to help our friend just get to Jesus but all it says is they they got together and they they took their their friend to Jesus you know, as Nike had a statement that says, just do it. You see, we can prepare, and we can prepare, and we can prepare, and we can have plans, and there's times where the Holy Spirit's just saying, go do this. You have friends that need to come to Jesus. Quit reading books about it and just be Christ to them. So it's important that we understand that we have relationships with people that don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. You have people in your world right now that their, their world is broken. Their, their, their marriages are about to collapse. Their families are disarrayed. Their finances are horrific. They are searching for peace and happiness. And we just keep our mouths shut. See, people know that we go to church. Hopefully, people know at least that you go to church. Paul Harvey made a statement, and I really like Paul Harvey. He's passed away now. But he made this statement. 
If you don't live it, you don't believe it. And I really was thinking about this statement. If you don't live it, you don't believe it. You see, I can tell Kristen that I love her and that I'm all in favor of marriage, but if I'm not living it, I truly don't believe it. I can tell my children that I'm trying to be a great dad and I'm trying to be a great provider, but if I don't live it, then I don't truly believe that. If I don't believe in integrity, then I'm not going to work in integrity. Do you understand? See, a lot of us are going through life and we truly don't believe it. And if we don't believe it, we won't live it. Because that's hypocrisy. For most of us, it could be as simple as saying to one of our friends, co-workers, students, can I pray with you about this situation? Rarely, rare, and I'm even using the word rarely because I don't want to say never, have I offered to pray with someone and they've refused it. Because what it is is a gesture to say that I care about you. I'd like to pray about this situation. Because you know what? Prayer is about them. I'd like to join my faith with you. All we'd have to do in a workplace, a school environment, our neighborhood, is to offer to pray with someone and explain why we believe in the power of prayer, which will lead to our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You see, if people know that we're Christians and they see that we live that way, and we are living out what we believe, they're going to come to us because we have credibility in their life. John 13, 35 says, Everyone will know that you are my disciples because of your love for each other. We've all heard love is a verb. Love is getting involved in other people's lives. Love is caring about. Asking questions. Praying. Interceding. That, to me, is their true definition of love. Love is not just on a card on Valentine's Day. Love is the other 364 days showing the people that I care and love about that I truly do. So the first step to live with integrity is to bring God into your conversations. Point number two is that we need to live and we need the boldness of the Holy Spirit. Romans 5, 5 says this, We are not ashamed to have this confidence because God's love has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. See, I, I truly believe all of us receive the Holy Spirit when we receive salvation. But I also believe that there's so much more of the, the Holy Spirit through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is empowering me. It's like turbocharging my little engine to do so much more. Because I'll tell you what, as the world is getting more and more wicked, as more and more is happening, as you are feeling bombarded by just evil, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit to have the power to do what God's calling you to do. You will get to heaven with or without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But I'll tell you what, the baptism of the Holy Spirit will make this life more powerful in your world. If you want to know more about that, start reading through the book of Acts. Start just digesting it and start praying and hungering after it and say, God, if this is, if this is truly of you, I want this. I want that baptism of the Holy Spirit that, that Pastor Mark's been talking about. Because I'm feeling weak in this world. And if you want to feel strong in your faith, seek after that. See, Acts 1.8 tells us, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you. Then you will be my witnesses to testify about me in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and the other ends of their world. Getting back to our story of our four friends. What made them think about the roof? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, 
They're carrying their friend to go see Jesus, and they get to the place and it's packed out. They can't even get near the front door. I want to submit to you that I feel that it was the Holy Spirit that gave one of them the idea, how about the roof? You see, anything that's leading people to Christ comes through the Holy Spirit. There was no selfish ambition here. There was no personal gain in this. They didn't call Jesus out to them. They still pursued him in any way, any manner, any form that they could. And they thought about, what about the roof? I truly believe that the Holy Spirit gave them this idea. You know, probably one of them saying, um, Hey, Scott, what do you think about the roof? Randy, where, where's Randy? Randy, we, we, we could take him up there. What do you think? And all of them just started thinking about this. Now, I want you to put yourself in the shoes of, of, of these four friends, okay? You're, you're with three other people are saying, Hey, we're going to take our friend up on the roof. We're going to carry a paralyzed guy on a mat there, and then we're going to lower him down with ropes to Jesus. Let me get this right. See, we're reading this as a past thing. What if it's happening right now? All of a sudden, we hear somebody walking across the roof here of the studio, and all of a sudden, the, the dust starts falling down on people's hand, heads because all of a sudden, and there's this person being lowered down. Now, what would you all be thinking about? Man, that stuff better not get in my hair, you know? <laughs> what if you were the paralyzed guy? Okay, now, I mean, we, we're, let's go a little bit further on this. You're the paralyzed guy. You're getting carried. You have no ability to move. And they're like, we have a plan. <laughs> just listen to it before you say no, okay? Just, we're going to get up on the roof. We're going to tear a hole. We're going to lower you down to Jesus. You will be the, 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 the subject of attention for a few minutes. I just want you to know that. And we're not really sure how Jesus is going to respond to this. And we don't know how the homeowner is going to respond but it's a plan. <laughs> have you ever thought about that? Have you ever put yourself as the paralyzed guy thinking, do I have a vote? You know what I mean? I know there's four of you and I really can't run away from this situation, but is it, is it yeah, yeah what, if it, what, what if the Holy Spirit gave it to the paralyzed guy? Hey guys, I got a plan. <laughs> See, that, that's the beauty of the word. Just going into this and, and studying it. It's important that we understand that we have to be listening for God's voice. Sometimes God's going to give you a plan that just doesn't seem convenient to you at this time. Sometimes this plan is going to require some work that you're like, you know, or a cost. But how much do you love that friend to get him to Jesus Christ? It's important that we understand that we have to sometimes get out of our comfort zone. We have to take God out of the little box that we carry around with him. How many of you have all been involved in the teardown of the church after a Sunday morning? Show me your hands. If you folded a chair, you, you kind of know what's involved, right? We, we tear down the, the backdrops and the equipment, the tables, the chairs, the lighting, hospitality, nursery. I have a plan. We're going to do all the teardown, and I just want you to put it in this little box for me, okay? Everything's going to get folded up. And I want you to put it in this box. And I'll just keep this box with me. And then next Sunday, and we won't even need to pay for storage anymore. Isn't this a great plan? No, really. Just think about this. Now, how many of y'all are thinking, this is not going to fit in this? So why is it that you feel that the God of the universe will fit in your convenient little box when you want to carry him around? God, I need some more money. 
God, I need a good parking space. God, make that person love me. I'm not feeling very respected, God. Have we put God in a box? And we just carry that box around with us? Or, or sometimes now we, we, it's more convenient. God, you stay here. <laughs> I'm going to go over there, okay? Now I feel like Clint Eastwood talking to a chair. But the thing of it is, is <laughs> we try to put God in a box. Don No shared his testimony. And I asked if I could share this little story. Because I thought it, it really just rattled around in my brain for several months after he shared it. And he was talking about if the church truly believes the word of God. This was part of his testimony. He said, does the church truly believe the word of God? Do we really believe that Jesus Christ died and rose from the grave, forgives our sins, and that we have rights and freedoms through him? If you truly believe that, then let me give you a scenario. I'm searching on the internet, and I find a website. And this website said, you know what? Send us your bills, and we'll pay them for you. Simple as that. And you dismiss it at first, but then you, you start thinking about it. It's like, man, how great would that be not to have a car payment? So you go back to this website, you read for fine print, and there's no fine print. Send us your debt, and we'll pay it. So you try it out very conservatively. You know what? You send them the coupon book for your car. Within a week, you get a notice from them that the bank says, your car has been paid in full. You think, this is pretty cool, okay? So now, yeah, mortgage. So now it's like, okay, let's, let's send in the mortgage payment. Wouldn't it be great to not have a mortgage payment? And all the people said, Amen. Amen. So all of a sudden, a week later, paid in full. This is, this is really, really, really good. So I'm going to send everything that I own, credit cards, everything, into this place and just see what happens. And guess what happens? Paid in full. You're totally debt-free now. How many of y'all are going to keep this a secret? How many of y'all are going to start sharing that news to everyone you know that's under the bondage of debt? And that's exactly what Jesus Christ did for our sins. All of our sins were paid in full. Everything that we've ever done was forgiven. And yet we decide to keep that to ourselves because well, they, they don't care about that. But yet, oh, hey, if it were about paying off our, our financial debts, then man, we would be proselytizing, we would be proclaiming, we would be evangelizing everyone we met about get out of debt. And then some of you would twist it, give me $100 and I'll teach you how to get out of debt. <laughs> I know some of you are thinking, all right, ooh, that'd be so great. But salvation is free. It wasn't cheap, but it's free. So it's amazing how many people try to get out of doing what God has called them to do by this really incredible Greek word. It's called excuses. We know what we're supposed to be doing, but we have excuses. And I want you to know that to these four, their sick friend needed to get to Jesus, who had the power to heal at any cost to themselves. And what did it cost them? It cost them the time to carry their friend. 
you know what, David? Would you meet me tomorrow afternoon? We're going to take our friend and we're going to go carry him to Jesus. All of a sudden, David's got to clear out a schedule. Chris, would you help me? Danny, would you help me? Please? Then it's going to read, and then, what do you want to do? We're going to carry him to Jesus? Yeah. He can't get there without us. Then we run this wonderful plan by you. Hey, we're going to get up on the roof. Really? And we're going to tear a hole. And which one of you just thought, we're going to have to pay for that hole? <laughs> right? I mean, it's got to be one of your thoughts, right? I mean, we're, if there's any dads in the house, you make a hole, somebody's going to have to pay for it. It's usually me, okay? <laughs> it costs them. It costs them their time. It costs them effort. It possibly costs them embarrassment. It costs them money to fix the hole. But they wanted to get their friend to Jesus. Amen. You have friends that need to get to Jesus. But are we more concerned about the cost? I don't have the time. I don't have the resources. I, I don't have the energy, Pastor Mark. I love what you're saying, but... It's important that we understand the cost. My third point's kind of an interesting point. And it's be yourself and a little bit more. That'll make you think, won't it? Evangelism is an incredible action. You know, if you fly a lot, you can pray for the person that's going to be sitting beside you. Because you realize for no matter how long that flight is, whether it's just down to Houston, which is about 45 minutes, or across country, which could be two hours, you have a captive audience right there. <laughs> have you ever thought about it? Have you ever thought about praying about the person that's going to be sitting beside you? <coughs> no. Have you ever asked God to give you ideas on a creative evangelism? See, some of us hear that and smile and think, I'd never be able to talk to a stranger about Jesus Christ. But could you have coffee with a friend? Could you have a, a conversation with them and just say, you know what, Daniel, I was thinking about what you shared about a couple weeks ago. And I started praying about it. And I really feel that God gave me some wisdom. I'd, I'd love to talk to you about it. You talk to God about my situation? All of a sudden, I've created now an avenue to talk with Daniel about a situation. Whether this is in my classroom or this is my workplace or my neighborhood. Delivering some food to a neighbor who just doesn't deserve it but just says, hey, you know what? I was thinking about you. And as I was praying the other day, God was just kind of telling me that you, you, could, have, you could use this. Just some special attention. Just some love. And I wanted to do this for you. And your neighbor's going to ask you, you, you did this for no apparent reason because... You felt like God asked you to do it. How about this? Our church has this food pantry, and we donate food to the different food banks, and I was wondering if you'd like to get involved. Maybe your family could do something about helping out with the food. Or our church does shoeboxes for children all around the world at Christmas time. Would you like to get involved? Because we really feel it's a way for us to share God's love. You share God's love through giving toys to people you don't know? Do you see how all of these very simple little statements will start a whole conversation? But it takes us to be who we are, who God created us, okay? See, the thing of it is, God created me the way I am. I tell Kristen that all the time. God created me the way I am, so blame God, don't blame me. But God created you the way you are. 
And then God also gave us this great commission. So what that tells me is that, now this is for our students, if A is equal to B and B is equal to C, then A is equal to C. Very good. All right, so if God created me the way I am, God gave me a great commission, then God should be able to use me the way I am to share the great commission to reach others for Christ. Amen. See, some of us feel like we've got to go and do this thing that we just don't normally do. See, I don't go to Kroger's and shout at people, you need to buy the green beans. <laughs> That's not my personality. But yet some people are very comfortable about shouting Christ to people. And if that's what God's asked them to do, then so be it. And I, I, I bless them for it. But if that's not your personality in Kroger's, it's not going to be your personality in evangelizing to your coworkers and students and, and neighbors and friends and Facebooking out. Be who God created you to be, but you've got to bring him into conversations, which means we've got to be who we are and a little bit more. Amen? Amen? God gave us unique personalities. We have to be more deliberate about it. A woman walked up to the great evangelist, D.L. Moody, and had the audacity to say to him, I really don't like the way that you do evangelism. And D.L. Moody said to her, I don't like it either. What do you do? Her response I don't do it. His response back to her was, well, the way I, I don't like doing it is better than your way of not doing it at all. Do you understand? We are so quick to criticize other people in their ways, but yet we're not doing anything to give them a suggestion. Love can be expressed in many ways, whether it's on a campus, school campus, whether it's in a workplace. We still have the freedom of religion in this country, praise God. Amen. We still have rights of free speech, praise God. Amen. That's what God has given us, great country. It's important that we understand about these four friends in Mark 2. Despite the difficulties, despite the obstacles, despite the cost, they still got their friend to Jesus. And not only did their friend get healed, he got saved. And it made a few scribes think about a few things also. John 9.4 tells me this. We must do what the one who sent me wants us to do while it is day. The night when no one can do anything is coming. I truly believe that Jesus Christ is coming back. And we don't know the day, the hour, the moment. It could be today. But he's coming back. And at that point, we won't have a chance to reach those friends. As I close, I want to kind of give you a story. At any traffic accident, there are three groups of people that show up at a traffic accident. First group are the onlookers, the bystanders, the curiosity. They're just wanting to stand there and see what's happening. If you're in a car, it's called rubbernecking. I don't know if you have that term here, but it's called rubbernecking, okay? But these are people that are just watching. You know what the second group is that shows up at a traffic accident? The police officers. The police officers are there to find out what happened, to assign blame, and to release the punishment. If you're going to be ticketed for being at fault or not. Third group that shows up at any traffic accidents are the paramedics. And the paramedics are there to help 
the hurting. To free out the people who are trapped in their cars. They're not there to lecture about bad driving. They're not going to tell you about texting and driving at the same time. Their sole purpose at that is to help those who are hurting. So the three groups. We have group number one, totally uninvolved. They're just watching. We have group number two that sees everything and is there to figure out who's at fault and assign blame. And the group number three is just there to help. To encourage the people with their words. To, to, it's going to be alright. Just stay with us. Stay awake. Come on, be focused. When it comes to your role in evangelism, which of the three are you? Are you group number one? Hey, I'm just, I'm just here to watch this world go by, Pastor Mark. That's all I'm going to do. Number two, seems like the church attracts a lot of them. It's their fault. If they didn't have that lifestyle, they wouldn't be paying for this right now. They deserved it, really. I've seen that the whole time. And then the third group comes in and says, you know what? They're hurting people. We need to fix this situation. We need to get them out of those broken cars. We need to, to bandage up the people. We need to encourage them with our words. We need to love on these people. I've taken a car accident and brought it into salvation. How's that? Okay? But what of the three groups are you in right now? Because believe it or not, you're going to be in one of those three. Talking about a relationship with Jesus Christ, I close every message with a very short, very simple prayer about making a decision that's the most important decision you'll ever make. It's not who you're going to marry, where you're going to go to college, what you're going to do, how you're going to spend lunch. It's about making Jesus Christ your Lord and your Savior. It's about making a decision that says, you know what, God, you are much bigger than I am. I've made so many stupid mistakes, and I'm tired. I seem to make things worse, and I make them better. And I need you. And I need you through accepting Jesus Christ as my Savior. Asking him into my heart to make a difference in my life. And what a beautiful prayer that will be this morning for you. But then that's the beginning of a new lifestyle for you. Not to put God back in this box and say, Yeah, you know what, back in September sometime, I, I got God. And I, I just keep him real close to my heart. God is bigger than this box. God is bigger than your world. He's the creator of the universe. He spoke everything into being. He knows how to help you out in your situation. He knows how to help you through a school situation, a work situation, an unemployment situation, a marriage situation, a family relationship situation. Your overall opinion of yourself, He can help you with, but you have to invite Him in. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I'd like to give you an opportunity to make the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. Are you ready to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Are you ready to say a simple prayer? Said, God, I'm a sinner and I need your help. And please forgive me. Would you all pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave to give me life. Please forgive me. Change my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. 
I now confess Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I'm saved. Amen. Whether you said that here today or you've heard this message on the internet, Jesus Christ is now in your heart. Your sins are forgiven. Everything that you've done in the past is forgiven in God's sight. Satan will try to remind you of what you've done and the horrible things, but when it comes to God's book, he'll say, I don't see any of that. Amen. Unconditional forgiveness, unconditional mercy and love is yours now. But now grow in that relationship. Hunger more after God than you hunger after anything else in this world. Pray about situations. There's so many times I pray even about little details. Not about the big things in life, the little details. And I'm not talking about the Cowboys win the other night. I'm talking about bigger things than that. That was a joke. They did win, you know. I did pray. Just, just putting that out there. But he wants to be the God of the little things in our lives. By inviting him in and bringing him into that situation. Asking his advice. And probably the hardest thing to do is not making an action until you hear a word. Not asking God to confirm. God, I'm going to do this, 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 and this. Is that okay? I didn't hear any thunder. I'm going and doing it. You see, that's how we pray so many times. Sometimes we have to be still. Sometimes the greatest prayer is what you're not saying, but what you're hearing when you're spending time with God. So I want to encourage you. As we close, I'd love to speak a blessing over you, so if you'll please stand, we'll dismiss. I do want you to make a difference for eternity. We still need one host home for one of our, our pays missionaries. If that were your son and daughter, how would you feel about having them across the world and not having a host home yet? We need that. We have a great youth event happening this Wednesday night. Bring neighborhood kids to this. It's going to be a fun event. But if you can't, would you pray? Would you intercede? Would you be praying that hearts would be changed that night? See, that's something we all can do. It's just we have to think about the opportunities that God is giving us. According to God's word, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Go in his peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you so very much. Thank you for coming today.